Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth, and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Job 22, verses 21, Amplified Version. The Bible says, Acquaint now yourself with him. Praise God. And it says, Agree with God and show, show, underline, show yourself to be conformed to his will and be at peace. He says, by that, he said, you shall prosper and great good shall come to you. Shout amen. He says, by that, you shall prosper and great good shall come to you. And he says, receive, I pray you, the law and instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. Somebody shout amen. Now when the Bible says acquaint now yourself with him. He says agree with God. And he says and show yourself to be conformed to his will. He says any man who does that. He says that man will be prosperous. And great good shall come to that man. And he continues to say that if that man heeds to the law of God, to the words of his mouth, to keep those words into his heart, that man shall be prosperous. There is no way that man cannot be prosperous. There is no way that man will not attract good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are many things today that are deluded in the Christian understanding of the doctrine of faith. And because of that, many Christians are so confused about the will of God concerning their lives. And because of that, many of them cannot be conformed to that will because many are not convinced of his will because of the many things that have gone out in the world in the name of teaching. That is why the essence of the fivefold or fourfold, whatever you want to call it, ministry is for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry to the edification of the body. And he says, until we come in the unity of the faith, because if we don't come in the unity of the faith, the Bible says we cannot get into the knowledge of the son and to a perfect man. We need the perfection in the body of Christ. And unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, the Bible says. We cannot attain the perfection to the measure of the fullness of Christ. That means the essence of why we teach is that everybody would get to that measure of stature of the fullness of Christ. The anointed one of God. Shout amen. That's the essence 
of the gospel, the ministry, the offices that are distributed by God, that you will be perfected for the work of ministry, to the edification of the body. Because every believer is supposed to be doing something in the ministry of Jesus, in the ministry of the gospel. Somebody shout amen. And so because you are perfected in that, to the full measure of the state of our Lord and Savior Jesus, because he does not expect a church to build a kingdom without an individual ability to demonstrate the fullness of Christ in every individual. That is how we preach. Somebody shout amen. That's the only way we can preach the gospel to the world and the world will believe on our God. Men can easily believe in anything. But today the church has failed to even prove the Christ they're talking about. We're getting so entangled in semantics, in vocabulary, and we're losing the spirit of the gospel. And that spirit of the gospel comes in the simplicity, which is in Christ, but yet with a power that is undeniable. God has not called us to explain things we cannot prove. God has called us to teach, to demonstrate things for men so to believe. He has called us to teach things we can demonstrate to men and so they'll believe. Somebody shout amen. And so he says that you might come to the full stature of the measure of Jesus Christ, that fullness of Christ. And he says that you might not be babes which are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, every wind of doctrine and by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. In other words, God's fear for the church was that if men don't mature in a certain knowledge, every wind of doctrine will blow you. Every wind of teaching will blow you. And if it does, it means you're going to be unstable. You're going to live a life of Christianity that does not bear the results and testimony of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. And that is why we teach what we teach. This is the challenge. Many of us are not agreed with God. We have not shown ourselves to be conformed to his will and to be at peace with his purpose. Do you know how many people in the world, born again believers, are suffering the ungodly suffering? Do you know how many people are suffering in this world? Do you know how many people are suffering unnecessarily in this world? Do you know how many things hit people every night? Do you know how many people don't sleep at night? Do you know how many people have nothing working in their lives? Do you know how many people could die very early? Do you know how many people are loathing in pain because of, you know, frustrated potential, things that have failed to work? They have believed God for so many years and they failed. And do you know how many doctrines are providing for more destruction for the believer? Do you know how many teachings are out there, but they're providing for the death of believers? And yet God has given us a Christianity that is supposed to give us life. Do you know how many people are taught into bondage? 
taught into death, taught into destruction, prophesied into annihilation. They are preached into destruction because we are not conformed to the will of God. And not many of us actually understand God's mind for us. Many assume they do, but they don't have the results of it. It's possible to live a Christian life to the end. And you get to the realization that you did not even leave a tenth of what was available for you to leave. It's possible. Do you know how many Christians have a very wrong understanding of God and a very wrong understanding of the devil? Do you know how many Christians don't understand who God is and what the devil is? Because you see, some people begin from the devil's end to understand God. That man will be different from the person who began with God to understand who Satan is. There's a difference. Because one began from darkness to light in understanding. Another one began with light in understanding and then interpreted the darkness according to the understanding he has in light. Who has understood what I just said? That is why one day the Bible says many will look at him and they will say, was this the one which made the earth tremble? Was this the fellow that shook kingdoms? In other words, one day, some believers will be so shocked at the devil. They'll be so shocked at how the devil looked like. They'll be so shocked when they come to the real realization of the fellow we are dealing with. But you don't have to get to that day to be shocked. You should be shocked now that he's shaking kingdom somewhere. You should be shocked now that he's disturbing the earth. You should be shocked now because you know God. Do you know it's possible as it is the will of God for you to live an upward life until the day you leave this earth? How many of you believe it? Do you know it's possible to get from one level of glory into another level of glory, from one level of success into another level of success, from one grace into another level of grace, from one level of knowledge into another level of knowledge until the day you leave this earth. It's possible. Like one man sang, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Because we don't even know how to talk to God. We don't understand how God relates with us. So when the man tells you, acquaint yourself with him, understand him, connect to him, Show yourself to be conformed to his will. He says, I guarantee you, you will be prosperous. And good shall come to you. Great good. Great good shall come to you. In other words, in the Christian faith, success, great good, increase, results, power, glory, those things are not accidental. They are deliberate. They are deliberate. I say they are deliberate. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
God has shown us the map to get there. He has given us the understanding on how to do this. In other words, if you fail, you only fail because you are opposed to God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and 24, in the Amplified Bible, it says, And the servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, fighting and contending. Instead, the Bible says, He must be kindly to everyone and mild-tempered, preserving the bond of peace. He must be a skilled, listen, and suitable teacher, patient and forbearing and willing to suffer wrong. He must correct his opponents with courtesy and gentleness in the hope that God may grant that they will repent and come to know the truth, that they will perceive and recognize and become accurately acquainted with and acknowledge the truth and that they might come to their senses and escape out of the snare of the devil having been held captive by him henceforth to do God's will. You see, there are people who live in a perpetual life of bondage. Do you know that? They live in a perpetual life of bondage. They come out of one problem into another problem and they come out of another problem and into another problem and they come into another problem and into another problem and then they build doctrines around, oh, you know, the Christian faith is not supposed to be easy, you know, so yeah, 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 yeah. And then they start explaining why they're inefficient. They start explaining why they don't have results. They start explaining why things are not working the way they are. They build doctrines around that. They raise generations of men with excuse. Until the world starts to offer more solutions than the church can offer. They are liberal because they fear to believe God a certain way. And so their faith is liberal. They have created a reality that is outside Jesus Christ. And that kind of reality cannot stand because reason and thought cannot fully explain faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Faith has a language that is bigger than any reasoning and thought can ever be applied. The life of faith will never be explained by human language fully. Paul says, how be it we do impact these things to them which are mature. Because certain things cannot be taught by human language, even if we try. Somebody shout hallelujah. But they are true. Because God is true. When you speak in tongues, who can explain tongues? But the Bible says you speak mysteries unto God and you defy yourself. But you defy yourself in a language a human mind has no ability to articulate. But yet therein is power. Look at how the world looks at you saying rabakata ko jalaba hu brazalapa ko ya raba zolapaya what are they saying they don't get it they don't get it and it's okay for them not to get it but it's a challenge after we have spoken those things and then we look like mere men it's a problem if we say all that stuff and then at the end of the day people look at us and they're like what's the difference between you and an unbeliever. And that's what I said. The world will tolerate our madness. If our madness has certain results. Are you hearing me? If our madness has certain work. Results. The world will tolerate it. 
Because it's already crazy. Somebody shout amen. But if we can imagine a life where our madness has no results, then blame not the world for not understanding us. Somebody shout amen. Sorrow has gripped me as I've come to the understanding of what God's purpose was and is for us. And how many people are not conformed to God. And how many people are not acquainted with him. And how much power is available for us as believers, but we are not able to connect to. You look at how some people are suffering, how believers are suffering. And sometimes you want to say, God, I wish they knew. I wish they knew. The Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It shall set you free. But pastor, in the Bible they talk about suffering. That we shall suffer as believers. Let me explain that. There is only one kind of suffering that is acceptable by God. One in scripture. There is only one kind of suffering in scripture that has been taught that is not only acceptable by God, but is taught to the church to follow after the pattern that Christ laid in his existence in the body. Only one. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2 and 20. He says, for what glory is it if ye be buffeted for your faults? He says, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well, he says, and suffer for it, he says, you take it patiently. He says, this is acceptable with God. It is acceptable to suffer under persecution. You understand what I'm saying? For his name's sake. Are you following what I'm saying? Verses 21, he says, for even here unto you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, for us, listen, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And these are the steps, full colon. You see, there's a full colon there. He says, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, listen, he reviled not, who when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. What kind of suffering is that? The suffering of persecution. He tells us when the suffering of persecution comes, we have to pattern ourselves like Jesus did. He set the example. If men revile you because you carry the name, he says, do not revile back. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, if they sin against you, speak evil of you, accuse you, say wrong stuff about you. He says, do not carry guile in your heart against them. Be like Jesus. He says when they do stuff to you because of his name. He says do not threaten them. Don't threaten them. Commit yourself to the God that judges righteously. In other words, never answer critics. Never. Never. It's beautiful to see your enemy getting worn out by talking and you've not answered. And they wear out when you've not talked. Because... Imagine when you talk. You, you understand what I'm saying? 
He said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 12, he says, yes, and all that will live godly in Christ. All that will live godly in Christ. He said, they shall suffer persecution. Everybody who intends to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. If you're not persecuted, question your godliness. You understand what I'm saying? Anyone who will live godly in Christ, you will suffer persecution. He said, that one is acceptable for his name's sake. His name's sake. The Bible says in the book of Acts, and the believers were persecuted for his name's sake. When Ananias comes to Paul, Saul, and when his eyes are opening, the spirit of the Lord tells him, go open his eyes. Let him have the understanding of the things that he shall suffer in my name's sake. In my name's sake. So because you bear the name, there will be a persecution. That is the only suffering that is acceptable in the Christian faith. No other. That is why as you grow as a believer, you learn to separate the suffering of Christ for an example to the church touching his name and the suffering of Christ for the substitution of the suffering of men in the new life. Those are two different things. Who has understood what I just said? When it comes to persecution, you must follow what Jesus did. You never heard Jesus cursing persecutors. No, no, no. He kept quiet. So that's a good example for you. But if you're persecuted, hold your peace. Don't threaten back. Hey, you know who you're talking about. You're going to die tomorrow. No, don't do that. No. See, you have the anointing. Listen, Jesus said, if I want to call 12 legions of angels, they would appear now, but I'm not. Because that's not my nature, it's not my spirit, it's not my mindset, it's not my mandate. I came to seek and save the lost. Are you hearing me? But that was his suffering for an example to show the church and how we ought to respond when we are persecuted by men. Are you hearing me? But that's the only acceptable one with God. When you have done nothing and men come on you for his name's sake. Some of you people tell you, oh, why are you doing what you're doing? You don't show any example of being a, a Christian. That's okay. If you know before God that your conscience is clear before God, thank God. Just thank God and say, God, I thank you that they're saying this because a time is going to come where the words will change. Somebody shout hallelujah. But there is a suffering of the Christ for the substitution. That one. Everything Jesus died for, you're not supposed to suffer for again ever that one you're not supposed to suffer for ever again never you have a divine right on anything jesus shed his blood for on anything jesus sacrificed for you that one is yours you must know how to take it you must know how to take it the bible says the thief cometh but to steal kill and destroy but the Bible says in Amplified, but I came that they might have and enjoy life. <laughs> I can read that scripture every day and it's new. Because I imagine every possible way the life of God is working in my spirit. To fulfill his purposes on the earth. And I have failed to fully fathom this thing. 
Every time I read it, I see the possibility of the God life. He said the thief cometh but to steal, kill and destroy. But I come that they might have and enjoy life. The Zoe, the life which is of God. And that they might have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That is why I came. That's why I came. I don't know about you, but that is why Jesus came. Somebody shout hallelujah. This is why he came. That you might have life. And have it to the full. And fill up until it overflows. And he says that's my will for the church. Somebody shout amen. Shout amen. Think about it. Not as one who knows that scripture. But as one who has the full understanding of what that could mean when you get it. He says, I'm come that they might have life. The Bible says that he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And for such, the Bible says he was made perfect. And he became the captain of our salvation. We were begotten in his perfection. Somebody shout hallelujah. We were begotten in the perfection of Christ. And because of that, there is no reason why a believer should suffer for the things Jesus paid for. No reason. No reason. No reason. Let's discuss it. Sickness. Sin. Death. Remember when you're talking about death, you're talking about spiritual death as a result of sin. Or physical death. Consequently, as a result of sickness. He says he died for that. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. When you go back to 1 Peter, when we're at 2.24, the Bible says he personally bore, he personally, personally, personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree that has on an altar offered himself on it. That we, the Bible says, might die, cease to exist to sin. We, are, we don't exist to sin. When sin looks, it doesn't see a believer exist to it. We are dead. That we might not exist to sin and live to righteousness. In other words, when we face righteousness, we are alive to it. And the Bible says, and by his wounds you have been healed. This is Peter saying, how can you read that and accept to be sick? Oh, but Apostle, you know, I'm sick, but sometimes I pray and then I cancel, but things have refused. How can they refuse? But you see, I don't know also, but I first if then I confess these scriptures, but then stuff again refuses. How? I'm still trying to understand how. But you know, I bet that you don't yet understand this. Those are things you have to get a holy anger over. Are you hearing me? Sickness must look at you and get terrified. Huh? You see what malaria does, people? Uh -huh. That's what you're supposed to do to malaria. Malaria is supposed to look at you and say, Somebody shout hallelujah. Why? Because it has seen God in the flesh. You're not alone. You're not alone. Tell your neighbor, I'm not alone. Oh, hallelujah, glory to God. 
The Bible says in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And that light shined in darkness. And darkness comprehended him. No, do you know what that means? Do you know what it means? Do you know what it means? Do you know what it means? To wake up full robust of God. To fill him in your body. To fill him in your eyes. Oh my God. To fill him everywhere around you. To know that he's in you for you and with you. To know that you harbor the life. To know that you have God in you. That this body here is carrying the life of God. And then disease comes into your body. And then you restore. Oh! No. You rage in your spirit. And say oh! No. No. That's a believer. Recently, I was around a believer, a Christian, who was telling me, oh, you know, I take vitamins because when I take vitamins, I be healthy. And I said, it's okay to take vitamins. It's not bad to take vitamins. But you're not healthy because you take vitamins. Get this. Daniel ate vegetables for 10 days while boys were eating meats and carbohydrates. And the Bible says he came back healthier. Why? Because there was another meat. There was something else he was eating. There was something else he was eating. Hallelujah. He says these words are life to them that find them and medicine to their bones. If you knew that thing, you'd read the Bible every day like you'd take your panadols. Are you hearing me? Oh, you go to a doctor and they prescribe two times three and then you swallow that faithfully. But you cannot read the word of God. Are you hearing me? Oh my God. This has no overdose. Somebody shout amen. He says, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. It means the vitamins are okay. But they're in the class of okay. They're not in the class of guarantee. They're in the class of okay. Let me tell you the class of guarantee. It's called the word of God. He said these words, these words, they are flesh. They are health into all their flesh. Their bones are rejuvenated because of these words. These words. These words. You're not going to be healthy because you are in a country where there is no coronavirus. Even if you're around 20 guys that are breathing in and coughing out. Are you hearing me? You get to them and tell them, I have the life which is of God. I said, I have the life which is of God. That is for you, but I have a life I've received. Oh, apostle, but what about Christians who get sick, you know? How about Christians? That's them, that's not me. Are you hearing me? That's them, not me. Are you hearing me? So what if they find it in a Christian's body? The Christian gets it out. The Christian gets it out. I say the Christian gets it out. 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 You get it out. Somebody shout amen. 
Shout glory to God. If you've read the story of a man called John Zilex, they got plagues, viruses, germs, and he says nothing like this can kill me. The area he was living was plagued and people were dying left, right, and center. And then he said, get these germs, put them under a microscope. But every virus put on his body died instantly. And they asked John Zilex, how come everybody around you is dying? But you are receiving life and the life in you is killing every germ that touches you. He says, I have the life which is of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. But when you find a Christian next to somebody, somebody sees a, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, what you doing? What you, no, tell your neighbor, I have the life which is of God in me. And that's the thing that keeps me healthy. It gives me proteins. It gives me everything that I need in there. Because God knows what I need in there. Somebody shout amen. And that is a generation that is going to live so healthy. That science will start to ask the Christian some question. They'll start asking us believers. So how do you do that? How do you live so healthy? How is it that at 90 you look like a 12 year old? You tell him now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which I dare to ask or think according to the working dunamis that worketh in me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I have the life which is of God and it's inside me it's in there so when Peter tells them by his stripes ye were healed his mindset is you're the one to understand Peter is saying for me I get it <laughs> he didn't say by his stripes we were no he knows it now he's telling them he says by his stripes you 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 guys ye were healed Somebody shout hallelujah. No believer should believe God for healing. When you read that. God is raising a generation that will feel pain and say, oh, thank you. Because you dealt with this also. Somebody shout hallelujah. But I know Christians who like going to the doctors to check everything. I feel a pain here. What is this? Put it here. Put it here. What is this? What is here? No. Father, I thank you. Because this was provided for us. So what if it continues? Continue also. What if it stiffens? Stiffen harder. What if it complicates? Complicate. Listen, the devil can fight hard, but he can't fight long. He can't. He can't. Oh, you're joking with the believer spirit. You're joking with the believer spirit. You're joking with the believer. He says we are not of they that draw back to perdition. We are of they which believe to the serving of the soul. Even if you have the last breath in you, you still say, I cannot die. That's a fighter. That's a believer who will never back down, will never slow down, will never give up. No situation will ever make me confess negatively. Even to the worst of it, I'm still a believer. Somebody shout amen. Glory to God. Listen. That's a believer. But some of you, when he pinches you a bit, hardens the pinch, ah, 
and then you confess something that doesn't look like you. You have failed to conform to his will. You disagree with God when situations happen, when things come. Sometimes people come for prayers and I don't know where to begin from. Because the way they're speaking, they're so opposed to the word. And I don't know where to begin from firstly to reconcile them to this understanding. And then pray for them. Pray for them. A lady came with a stage 4 cancer. So against. She was sincere, but against. You know, the most sincerity in human nature usually opposes itself against the will of God. So she said things and I heard and I said, you know, go listen to these sermons. I gave about seven of them. She came back. When she came back, I told her, can we thank God now for your healing? Can we just thank? We thanked God and she was healed. The cancer was out of her body. You know why? Because I just gave her summons to make her agree with God. Just to help her agree with God. Just to help somebody agree with God. Just to agree. If God said, for example, for we know the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus. For though he was rich, the Bible says, he for your sakes became poor for your sake. That through his, now that substitution, the rich fellow has owned poverty. He has owned it. He has allowed. Okay, I am poor. He says that through his poverty, you might be what? He didn't say you might become rich. He said that you might be rich. That means the moment Jesus took on poverty, what happened? Immediately. Not a future. It happened at that point. So your wealth is not in the future. Then you find a Christian saying, oh, I have a friend of mine who's very rich. And then I want to get into their head and ask, are you saying your friend is very rich? Because you're comparing your poverty against their wealth? No, at least let the word be, I have a friend who is very rich like me. You understand what I'm saying? I would understand that. But do you know how many people say, I have a friend who is very rich, but they seek to imply that they're poorer. And then you find a Christian complaining, oh, you know, I asked him for money and he refused to give me money and he's rich, but he refused to give me money, yet he's rich. What are you? What are you? By implication, you're what? You're poor. You're poor. How can you be poor? How can even your poverty be based on what you have on the account? How? You're not rich because you have a million dollars. No. You're rich when you come to the realization that you are. Somebody shout hallelujah. And our wealth is not a privilege. It's a responsibility. It's for the orphan, for the widow, for the poor, for the furtherance of the gospel. It's not for luxury. No, we're not rich so we can show off, oh, I have money. No, we're rich so the gospel will get to every corner of the world. You understand what I'm saying? 
That is why, even before the money manifested, when I understood this, I understood it in my university days, I never begged again. I never begged. I never begged. I never begged. No, I had a pride that is godly. I had a boasting in my face that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And everything started falling in line because I'm a believer. How can you know that scripture? How can you read this thing and stay poor unless you have refused to reconcile yourself to God, to acquaint yourself with him, to agree with him. Somebody shout hallelujah. He has given us precious promises that by these we might be partakers of what? Of his divine nature. In other words, the only thing that guarantees that you are of a godly nature, are you hearing me? Is the agreement that you have towards the promises of God. Which are yeah, and in him a man to the glory of the Father. Did he promise you peace? Yes, agree with it. Settle it in your heart that all the days of your life will be peaceful. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody one time told me, oh, so and so is calling you. It's very, very, very urgent. Please call them. And I told him, look, nothing in my world is so urgent. Nothing in my world is so urgent. What is that thing that can kill them? In my world? No. Tell me I need to talk to you. But when you put urgency and I sense fear in your voice, I don't know how to react to that. Look at Jesus. He tells them Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. And Lazarus died. And the son of God is so at peace. You think he didn't know that Lazarus died? He did. Did he lose peace? No. He just continued living his life like a normal man. And then Martha comes. Oh, if you had been here, oh, my brother would not have died. And that's exactly how some Christians think. If Jesus were here, this would have happened or wouldn't have happened. Oh, because when you say if he was here, this wouldn't. It means you've come to the realization in your heart and acceptance that you're let. It can't be reversed. Listen, the God life is never let. The God life is never let. Tell your neighbor the God life is never let. The Bible says, we which have believed do not haste. Do you know what that means? God wants to give you a peace. That even at the hardest level of urgency, at the matter of life and death, you can still be settled in your spirit to know that I got this, it's going to end well, I know who began this, he'll see to accomplishment to the day of Christ. I don't work under pressure. That's just me. Because God doesn't work under pressure. He doesn't. Calm down. Believe God. The rest is not to the swift. Somebody said, amen. So he comes, yes, then where have you laid him? I am the resurrection. I am the life. The man goes to the tomb, tells them to lay away the stone, and he tells the guy, come out. And there is no way. I can imagine an unbeliever there who was just looking to see him not come out. But the son of God has a confidence. Woo! The son of God has a confidence. 
that if I call Lazarus out, he must come out. Years ago, as in prayer, and the Lord told me something very remarkable. Seems simple, but very remarkable. Back in my day in university, he told me, set your life fixed on this thought for the rest of your life. That no matter what happens in your course of life, you'll always go upward. You'll always be better. You'll always increase. The lines will fall unto you. Your paths will always be aligned to greatness. He told me, no matter what will come, set your mind on this one thing. That your life will always go upward. Believe it. That your life will always be better and better. Upward and upward. Glory to glory. Grace upon grace. Knowledge upon knowledge. Increase upon increase. He says, believe that for the rest of your life. And I told him, yes, sir. He says, for this is the will that I have toward you. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to make you prosper and not to harm you, regardless of what comes. So I used to have a Muslim friend back in the day. And I remember we used to have challenges back in the day when we were banking. And things used to come through. And then one day after this guy worked under me for about two, three years, he looked at me one time and said, there's something you always say. I have failed to understand why you always say it. Every time calamity befalls us in our work environment, you always used to say, and this shall pass too. And this shall pass too. I wish to tell him, even this, it shall pass. It shall pass on. It shall pass on. It shall pass on. And I'll still come out. Hey, Victor, that's my mindset. Listen, I've been through stuff. And no doubt I'm going to see more. Listen, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of what is coming. No. Because I know who holds me. I know who is with me. This fellow called me from my mother's womb. And separated me early. I was born anointed. I know it. Are you hearing me? Now, if he was wise, he would have killed me before I got a mind. But when I get a mind to read this word, he's already too late. Now, if he could not kill you when you are still forming. No, 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 listen. If he could not kill you when you were still just that little thing trying to form and connect a life without a leg or a hand without a brain it's just a little life coming to if he could not kill you then how can he kill you now when you have a mouth somebody shout amen how can he kill you now when you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior you've been translated from darkness into the marvelous light of our Lord and how can he kill you now he can't 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 he can't. He can't. No, he can't. He will not. He has no way. He has nothing. Nothing in you. Nothing. Sink it in your spirit. Not now. Even when you come.
come to leave this world. Huh? You will just pass on. You will not pass away. Believers don't pass away. We don't pass away. We don't pass away. No. We just transition. And let it be comfortable for you. Sit down. Call everyone. Distribute everything and tell them I'm out. Peace. Tell your neighbor I'm not going to die of sickness. Tell them. That's a very bold statement. Repeat it. Repeat it. Repeat it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. What are you talking about? Everybody dies of disease. And not everybody. By his stripes I was healed. I know men who never died of sickness. Men of God who never died of sickness. They finished and ascended in glory. And that's how you're going to be. No early deaths. No accidents. Oh no, he died in a plane crash. No, 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 no. I say no, no. Somebody shout amen. Shout amen. Why? Because he gave you the tongue. He said life and death are in the power of the tongue. And he said that they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Do you know what it means for life and death to be in the power of the tongue? Do you know how powerful your tongue is? It can set hell on fire. That little thing you have in there. It can change a government. That little thing you have in there. Somebody shout hallelujah. That little thing. That little thing you have in there. Make it agree always. I tell people don't even joke about a problem. Don't even joke about it. Me, I don't joke. I don't negatively joke. I don't have negative jokes. Some people still laugh and say, oh, I'm dying of laughter. I don't even confess dying of laughter. I don't say it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why? Because I know what I have here. Paul understood it. When he did, he says, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph and he maketh manifest the server of his knowledge by us in every place in other words our triumph our victory is the only way he can extend his knowledge by us it's the only way the world can know it's the only way the world can believe that Jesus is Lord by extending his life through us by extending victory through that means your victory is not even for you there's a crowd of witnesses watching you every time you turn they say ah that is our God somebody shout hallelujah that is why we've been called to the apostleship of the obedience of all nations we have the anointing that can, will, and should cause all nations to bow 
through the name of Jesus. Romans 1 verses 1. Listen, he says, And Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Listen, give me the Amplified. He says, And as his divine nature, according to the spirit of holiness, was openly designated the Son of God in what? In power, in a striking, triumphant, and miraculous manner. Jesus was presented in a striking and triumphant, miraculous manner. The triumph on the Christ was striking. The miraculous on the Christ was striking. By his resurrection from the dead, even Jesus Christ our Lord, the Messiah, the anointed one. And verse 5 says, it is through him that we have received grace, God's unmerited favor, and our apostleship to promote obedience to the faith and make disciples for his name's sake among all nations. How do we do that? Because he gets that thing which was working on him, striking triumphant and miraculous in nature and then he puts it on the church so when men look at us they have no choice they have no choice somebody shout amen so he continues in the Amplified to say let's go back in Corinthians thanks be to God which in Christ leads us in triumph as trophies of Christ's victory through us spreads and makes evidence the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere he says, for we are the sweet fragrance of Christ, which excels unto God, designable alike among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the latter, it's an aroma wafted from death to death, a fatal odor, the smell of doom. To the former, it is an aroma, listen, from life to life, a vital fragrance, living and fresh. In other words, to men which are being saved, every time we come in their presence, they receive life. And thank God he said from life to life. That means as long as they continue sitting under you, every day they receive life. Every minute of their life they receive life. And when they receive that life, nations are changed. This is how you know that Uganda is a blessed nation. Because men come on Thursday in the thousands to sit in the gospel. Where is that? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that's why he says, acquaint yourself with God. Yield to his law. Back to Job, verses 22. Receive, I pray you, the law and instruction from his mouth and lay upon his words in your heart. He says, if you return to the Almighty and submit, humble yourself before him, you will be built up. You will be built up. These words Eliphaz told Job. Good words, although he judged Job wrongly, but the words were godly. And the Bible says, if you put away unrighteousness far from your tents. He says, if you lay gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brook, considering them of little worth. That means if you refuse to consider even your status and count it all but loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. He says, and make the Almighty your gold and the Lord your precious silver. He says, then you will have delight in the Almighty and you will lift up your face to God. He says, you'll make your prayer to him and he will hear you and you'll pay your vows. You shall also decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. When they make you low, people, haters, 
you will say there is a lifting up. You'll not cast them. Uh -uh, you'll not cast them. When a man puts you low, you have a mouse. Oh, that guy is going to fail. I'm going up. And there's nothing the devil can do. Somebody shout hallelujah. And the humble person, he leaps up and serves. And the Bible says he will even deliver the one for whom you intercede. Who is not innocent. <laughs> and the Bible says that person will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. Even if someone is not saved, your life on them will change them. That is the faith we preach. That is the gospel we preach. That is the anointing we stress. That is the life we talk about. This is the message that the world is looking for. This is the thing that will confound the world to believe your God. Because they won't be able to explain the things the church is doing. Let me play your small testimony and we pray. Hello, praise God. My name is Sylvia Navulia, a resident of Rosira, and my daughter, Adriel Morunji. We are here to testify the goodness of the Lord. On the 18th of June, 2018, I gave birth to her. It was a C-section, which was successful. We were discharged and everything seemed fine. But um, later, after three days, she developed cough and flu. I took her back to hospital. By then she had chest in growing and they told me she had pneumonia. We started the treatment for pneumonia. I gave her a series of medication, but she wasn't changing at home. The baby wasn't developing. A baby who was born with four cages at three months, she still had the same cages. At six months, the baby weighed seven cages. I had to take her to different hospitals. I chose to keep changing different doctors from one doctor to another, maybe thinking I would get another solution. With seven months, the baby is not sitting and the baby is not growing. She had a soft neck. I could wrap clothes around her neck so that her neck doesn't fall off. Later on, a friend of mine had to recommend me to a certain doctor at Kampala Children's Clinic in Kololo. So they told me the baby had a heart problem, but as for then, he wasn't going to do anything with her. He had to recommend me to another doctor, heart specialist, the cardiologist. He did his echo and then it happened so that Morunji had two holes in the heart. One of her veins that's supposed to pick oxygen from the lungs had totally never developed. We agreed he was going to treat her and start the entire process for the surgery. So Morunji was referred to Heart Institute. By then it was around April and the baby was 10 months. But then the baby was weighing seven kilograms only. The baby was not sitting. The baby was not crawling. The baby was not walking. The baby was not doing anything. So the baby was not growing. The doctor told me that the baby had two syndromes, one of which was Down syndrome, and the other was a syndrome called George because her ears were so below. By then, the baby even started fainting. It was really clear that the baby was not receiving enough oxygen and um, it seemed true that the baby had really a big problem with her heart. 
So she recommended another hospital in Kenya. That hospital is called the Karen. It is Rolangata. But while on the bus, my baby cried so, so hard. And then everyone was so bothered. There is a young man who was seated next to me who was like, what is the problem? So I had to tell him what was really happening with the child and why I was going to Nairobi. So he told me, you know what? You may walk all corners of the world, but there is only one person who can heal your child. It's Jesus. So he told me he was going for a conference, Panero conference, and then he prayed for me and we parted. So when I reached Karen, I saw doctor, he did his echo, but then they quoted for me 18,000 USD. The other condition was every day the baby spends in the ICU, we were supposed to pay a hundred dollars of which we didn't have. We didn't know how many days she would spend in the ICU. So I had to travel back to Uganda to do a fundraising for her surgery. I created WhatsApp groups, an Instagram page, started tweeting to different people to fundraise for the child. I couldn't really afford seeing her in pain. I wrote letters to different people that I knew who would be of help. I started going to different media companies asking for help. But while there, I met one of the receptionists who referred me to Fanero Steel for prayers. I was quite disappointed. Reason being, I had gone for help and look, someone is telling me, you can go for prayers. As I walked, I approached one of my friend's shop. I had stopped to ask her some money, but then I found a lady. She introduced herself and then she told me, I can take you to someone who can pray for your child. And then she promised me to take me to the Thursday fellowship and Apostle Grace prays for the child. So we made arrangements to meet each other the next day, which is a Thursday, for the Fanero fellowships. We went for prayers. Apostle Grace prayed for my child. You know, he just carried the baby, prayed for her, and then he told me the baby is well. This child was born with Down syndrome. Is it curable? She was born with a missing artery. George, he told her her child will never walk, never see do things other kids do. She brought her one of those days. I carried the kid. Spoke life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke and bind and destroy that spirit of infirmity and disease. We command that heart to heal. 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 In Jesus' name. Amen. She took her back to the doctor. No D. George. No Down syndrome. Hattery has grown. Do you know what that means? For God to give you a new child. And as one day she's cleaning, her baby just started walking. The baby who had never walked around, after like a week, the baby got herself from the bed and ran around the house. I was in the kitchen trying to prepare breakfast. I just saw the baby boom. She was walking on her two legs and she was very excited and happy. I went to all these accounts and I told them, I'm closing these accounts and we are not asking money from anyone for the child. The baby woke, she never got any allergies from then. She never falls sick from then. She never got any attacks from then. After the new year, I took her back to Heart Institute. I had courage to wait and see which kind of results that I would get after. 
the very doctor who said my child had Down syndrome and George said my child was free and she was okay and she will give up and told me to stop thinking about the surgery. That is the God that you have believed. That is why I believe that everything that is crippled in your life and the doctors have said can never walk, can never talk, can never live, can never breathe, can never see. In the mighty name of Jesus, it gets life. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a marvel praise. That is God. And that power is for every believer. What happened to that child is I gave that child life, the life in me, the same life that is in you, <laughs> the same that he wrote when he raised Christ from the dead. That is the life that will bring this world to its knees. When we are healing diseases, pharmaceuticals cannot heal. That is what the world is looking for. And the God who can do that can do anything. Acquaint yourself with him. Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. God of yesterday. God of today. You're the God of tomorrow, you're still the same. My very present help in time of need. In every situation, you have never failed. Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. Yahweh, Yahweh, worship Him. Speak in other tongues. Come on, somebody pray in the spirit. God is doing something for you this very hour. Something is happening for you. I will not forget you. Not forget you. Pray in the spirit. Something is happening. Every situation you have never been. Yahweh, Yahweh, pray in the spirit. 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 I see a mighty impartation of the spirit. Hey! Rabba 
success of the gospel in your life. Signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow you. Undeniable. His power is going to be evident on everything that you touch in the mighty name of Jesus. The power of God will be mighty on your life. The anointing of the Spirit of God will encapsulate everything that touches your life. Your star is going to shine. Remarkable things are going to be spoken of you, O Zion. God has plans great for you. Position yourself to see God more than you have ever seen Him before. And if God can change a child's heart and heal and deliver and get things out of her body and give her a fresh body and return a woman's child's life to its fullness, what can He do for you? What won't he do for you? What isn't he going to do for you? If he can grow a heart artery, he can grow anything that is not there. He can get viruses out of your body. He's changing families now. He's healing incurable diseases now. I see a minister's life change. I see your life change. I see you go upward. This world will not be able to contain the things that are going to be done in your life to the glory of his name. If you believe it, say amen. Receive it and give the Lord a man of praise. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you're not born again, you have not confessed Jesus as Lord, and say, repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today, I believe with my heart that you died for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. God bless you. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.